Oh, oh. Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Lisa. And together we are Two Sober Chicks. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks a lot for joining us. Julie and I are in the most lovely setting, like our getaway uh, weekend together. Mm-hmm. It's not really the weekend, but it's our weekend together. Mm-hmm. And where are we? We are in Roslyn, Ontario, which is about two hours north of Toronto. And we are currently recording in a converted old church. Very nice. In the country. Spiritual vibes. And I um, woke up this morning having, um, I was, you know, in that sort of semi-lucid dream state. Mm -hmm. So you're coming in and out of, like I was waking up and then I was falling back asleep. and, And I was having this dream that we were all together. Our two <laughs> closest friends were also with us here. And you guys had all piled into that bedroom with me on my bed. It was like, you know, high school girls Aww. getting together, sitting on the bed, chatting. And it was so nice. The funniest part was Karen came in in a dress. So <laughs> that made me laugh. I wish I was in that dream to see that. <laughs> um, all right. And we've, they, we have these beautiful beeswax candelabras on the dining room table. So Julie's going to light them on air. There are six of them. Is the number six any, you know, in spiritual, in the spiritual? No. Bib- a... Biblically, seven is important. Okay. Forty is important. Three is important. What about two? Not that I've heard of. Okay. In numerology, I guess two is something. You're going to burn your fingers. You know, I'm just waiting for it to happen. You get to do another one. Yeah. We're very, um, what's that weird... EDM or something, this thing that's out where it's all about like sounds and whispers and matches and tapping and we're doing an EDM podcast. They did it with Reese peanut butter cups. Would you, I'm losing my spiritual fitness. (laughs) This candle won't light. Do you want me to stand up and light it? There you go. You got it. They're nice. Almost. There you go. The last one is lit. Well, we are so excited because the next 12 podcasts are going to be dedicated to a step each. Look what time it is. Oh, it's your favorite time, 11, 11. Yeah, That's, uni- what is that, universal consciousness or something? Something to do with um, the spiritual gateway when, you know, the earthly realm is more in tune with the heavenly realm. Oh, I have goosebumps. We're in a converted church talking about our program re- of recovery. We've just lit candles. Mm-hmm. And it's 11, 11. And, so, and we did not plan this. It's just, we didn't set an alarm, of course. We're on a little vacation, so we just woke up when we woke up. I was up hours before Julie, because I naturally wake up early. So I was sitting in here just by myself, and then she came in, and we we're just like, okay, let's time to podcast now. And it's 11, 11 a.m. Beautiful. So spiritual. Yes. All right. Levels look good. All Things right. Good. I We've guess we're ready to go. Sound. So why don't you... Um, explain what we're going to do now and over the next 12 podcasts. All right. So this has been a suggestion from many of you. Thank you so much for your emails, which you too can send in. If you want to be a part of the show, you want to shout out, um, you want to suggest a topic as many people have, um, then send us an email at two sober chicks at gmail.com, or you can slide into our DMS on our Instagram page where I actually just posted 
a live of this place and where we're podcasting from. So by the time you hear this, they, that might not be up already, but if you end up listening to this and you will have seen the live, you'll know exactly where we are and what we're doing right now. Amazing. It'll be like you're here with us. And Julie is always in our lives and it's not because she's some egocentric, self-centered freak that <laughs> only videos herself. It's at my request. Because of what I do professionally, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want my face out there mm-hmm. uh, in, in the public. And for me, that's part of my anonymity. You can hear my voice, you can know my first name, but that's uh, part of my anonymous program. And I have to protect myself because of what I do for a living. So um, that's why she is our, our face. She's a good for face. For now, I am your spokesperson. Yes, a good face for the podcast. So this suggestion has come in from many of you, and it's please do a podcast, an individual podcast on each of the 12 steps. And for those of you who don't know, there are also 12 traditions. We could even do another series. Oh, that would be so good. Of the 12 traditions. So, but we're going to start with the 12 steps. So today's podcast is devoted entirely to step one. So we're going to read the step, and then we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about the keys to taking the step, what the step means to us as individuals. Um, As we like to say to our podcast, our little disclosure, is that this is our own personal take and views Mm -hmm. on uh, 12-step recovery, uh, how we have interpreted um, the 12 steps as as according to the big book, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, So these are our own thoughts and opinions on that. So we are by no um, means any... That's what I'm trying to, um, authority on this. It's just our own personal journey in recovery. Mm -hmm. So if you don't like it, you can listen to somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. Turn it off. (laughs) But you know, I, I have to, before we, we get going, because I have meant to say hello to Jamie from Arizona. She is a faithful listener and she emails us some really cool stuff. She actually has been my first online proposal, by the way. And I've said yes. And I'm moving to Arizona to become an American. My dreams have finally come true. (laughs) It took that for you to cross over to the side. Yeah, eh? that's what I've been waiting for. Let's hope the border doesn't hear that because uh, next time they might not let me cross if they've heard this. But Jamie's in her stretch of 70s and not in terms of age, but in her days. Okay. So happy, happy on your way to 90 days. Mm. You've made it past two Two months months. and you're on your way. Good stuff. So thanks for being so good to us and we love you. Good first steps. Congratulations. So this might um, be of particular importance to her in early recovery as we talk about step one today. So we'll dedicate this one to you, Jamie. Thanks for joining us and thanks for giving Julie, making one of her dreams come true. Yes. Uh, Proposal from someone in the States. Although I did say don't tell Lisa because I kind of already am a sister wife. (laughs) Yeah, twice. Whoops. Mm-hmm. You're uh, so you're polyamorous, I guess. I am. <laughs> you're Sharon's sister wife. You're my sister wife. Mm-hmm. Now you're Jamie's sister wife. Mm-hmm. Slut. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna call you uh, sister whore. Sister whore. Sister whore. What we were just talking about something like that, hoeing it up. Didn't we have this conversation yesterday? What are we talking about? Um, Sharon wished us a happy, tr- a happy trip on our bromance. And then she said, but you're not really bros. <laughs> but I won't say what rhymes with bros because it's... We're on she, our homance. She didn't like that. So she wasn't going to say homance. <laughs> but we thought that was a great yeah. title for our trip. That is our homance. Our homance. Okay. Did you have an instruction for people around this? Oh, yeah. I'm going to get to that. So... Okay. Um, you will need to get out a pen and a piece of paper. 
So if you want to do that now, press pause on the podcast, run along, go get your pen and your piece of paper or a journal. If you have started journaling, this would be a good place to keep this because I also think this would be an important piece of paper to go back to Mm -hmm. later on in your recovery. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If you're ever unsure, if you ever start to question yourself or say, am I an alcoholic? Was it really that bad? Yep. This, I think, will be integral in helping you through that hurdle, yeah. so to speak. And just a little um, setup is the 12 steps is divided into three sections. One, two, three is the discernment steps. And I'll keep repeating this, and I know you will too. The action steps are four to nine. The maintenance steps are 10 to 12. And you'll just sort of, we'll go, you know, maybe like a new school Joe and Charlie, although we could never touch them. Mm-mm. We'll just both sort of add, fill in gaps with each other, add our own perspectives on what's going on with each of the steps. And we'll post them in order so that if you want to listen to all 12, you just start with number one and let it play all the way through, unless you have shuffle on your iPod, um, iTunes or SoundCloud or whatever. Okay. So, all right. Let's get this train on the tracks. All right. So step one is we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. And a simplified translation of that would be, I have a big problem due to my use of alcohol, drugs, or behaviors and my lack of control over them. That's a good simplification. I Mm -hmm. like that. A lot of people um, new in the program do not like what they think is archaic language of the big book. So just tweaking it a little can have a little bit more of a a watershed moment on Mm -hmm. what the root is of the step. And impact on you. Because when we come in, we are very, uh, I know I was, uh, very obstinate. Mm -hmm. Um, Any little thing that I could latch on to, that I could hang my hat of resentment on, um, and then that way I could hang on to my will a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. You know, that was one of the things was the archaic language or the misogyny. It was mm-hmm. written by just two white old dudes. <gasps> we should do a two wives podcast and just go through it and read the words <laughs> and have reactions. And <laughs> let's just rewrite our own version of two wives, <laughs> shall we? To hose. We can interpret it for sure. We should do that. That would be fun. A separate podcast. Yes. But back to the point, step one. Back to step one. So one of the things I thought it'd be good to talk about are keys to taking the step. What does it mean? What does this step mean? Let's break it down. And what are some good keys? You'll often hear people talk about in the rooms of alcoholics. That's the reason why I overemphasize those words. We admitted mm. and we were powerless. I think it's kind of a, a piece of hope too. It's that first moment for you where you realize you are not unique. You are not alone. Oh, that's good. You are not the only person who's ever had this problem and you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. You need help. Mm-hmm. So we are here to help you with that. I drove the bus right into the ditch or off the cliff mm-hmm. and then we got me out of there. That's right. That's a great analogy. So you can easily drive a car into the ditch yourself, but you can't usually get it out of the ditch. Nice. Fist bump. You need a tow truck. Mm -hmm. You need somebody else. You need a little bit of guidance and a little bit of help. That's a good analogy. Thanks. Way to go. It's this place, I tell you. Yes. Speaking to us. The Church of Enlightenment. Um, So one of the other things I had written down, um, of course, we talk about um, what's the spiritual principle of step one is honesty. Okay. How fitting. Because if you're going to admit something, you got to get honest. That's right. Yeah. 
Um, and that is honesty is definitely a key to acceptance, right? You can't yeah. accept something if you're not fully honest about where you're at and where this disease of alcoholism has brought you. Yeah. And if you're at Alcoholics Anonymous, it's probably brought you, brought you to your bottom. Mm -hmm. It's brought you to your knees. You know, you're at that place of hopelessness and despair and desperation. And uh, in step one, in the 12 and 12, it does talk a lot about um, desperation and uh, being as desperate as the dying can be. We were also talking about that earlier, about uh. um, the person, the visual image of that person who's been tossed from a ship. There's a, a ship going down, they're in the ocean, it's dark, it's cold, it's like very, very windy and tumultuous, and there's a life preserver bobbing just out of reach on the ocean. Mm -hmm. So imagine that feeling of there's hope right there, and all you have to do is reach out for it, but everything is fighting against you. So that, that fight that's going on, that's a real good image of yeah. alcoholism and the desperation that we come to. Yeah. And that's why a lot of people get it and do the steps and are successful and get sober and stay sober because they had that, they call it a gift of desperation. Yeah. But if it's not that bad for you yet, <laughs> You're just uh, going to want to tread water for a bit. Yeah, because you said it earlier this morning about the consequences. Yeah, if you just want to grab that life raft because you are tired of the consequences versus I want to change my life, you're not going to hold on to that life raft very long. No, just for a little while. Just till you get dry, yeah. shake off like a dog, yep. move on. Yep, and then what, go, wow, that was weird. Okay, I'm fine. What would be some of the consequences that you might be wanting to run from? Uh, I think the most obvious for from what I hear from our stories is the partner wants to leave you mm -hmm. um, your job is threatening to fire you you've lost everything you're you've been told you're going to die and you're in the hospital and someone a doctor's looking at you saying you're gonna die if you yeah. drink again you're gonna die if you use again yeah those so, are the major ones I think no, so Mine, those are some consequences and then you get to AA and things start to you're, you're sober for a little bit yeah and so then the wife or the husband, they're a little bit more satisfied. They're happy. Things are starting to progress and mm -hmm. it's looking like you're making changes in your life or the job is like, okay, you haven't been fucking up so much. So we're going to give you a second chance. Or the doctor says, oh, whew, your liver's doing one. good now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're getting better. And then what do you do? Well, the gift of desperation is gone. The consequences aren't happening. So you're like, no, oh, maybe it wasn't so bad after all. And they will get worse. So whatever you just went through that you're now ignoring, they're mm -hmm. going to come back around for you. Which is why they nail home the point in step one of progression. It's a progressive disease. Whatever's happening now is only we'll going get to get worse if uh -huh. you continue to drink. Or if you stop drinking for a little while and you go back, it is, it is so remarkable about how you pick up exactly where you left off and it's worse. Mm -hmm. I, I never drank alone. And then when I relapsed and I picked up again, I was an isolator. Mm -hmm. I was drinking alone because the consequences had gotten worse. I'd lost the people in my life who used to take responsibility for my drinking and me and take care of me. Those people weren't around anymore to clean mm -hmm. up my messes. So in order to live, I had to drink alone in isolation because I couldn't go out in public anymore. Yeah. And, and that, so like our stories are different. Mm -hmm. So your bottom was different than mine. Yeah. 
off for me, I wasn't losing anything to get to the point of desperation. It became so intolerable to live inside my mind and my body that I had to have the desperation to not want to live like that anymore. So it's going to be different for everyone. I think sometimes when we come in, we don't want to be like everyone else. So I will look at someone and go, well, my husband didn't leave me. Right. Oh, well, my house was always clean. Exactly. My kids were always fed. But it was the the bottom, no matter how bad it is on the outside, the bottom's always on the inside. It's discomfort, it's depression, it's helplessness, hopelessness, self-loathing, um, the feeling of what a hangover does to you, depression, anxiety, so hallucinations, pity. paranoia. No matter if it's losing outside or inside, the common root is that mm-hmm. I can't I can't stop and I can't do this anymore. Living in Hopefully. self-pity, feeling like a victim. All those things, yeah. I feel like if we were able to see our energies or our auras, we could tell just based on like the color and density of someone who's feeling those feelings. Because feelings like joy and peace and acceptance and love are light and easy to carry. Mm-hmm. While as those other ones are like lifting a 10-pound lead coat. It'd be so much easier. Yeah. And they must, the aura must be gray. And smelly. And thick Gross. and tarry. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of a Christmas story. I was going to say, it kind of reminds me of a smoker. No, <laughs> yeah. I'm a reformed smoker. A smoker's lungs, We're the perhaps. worst. I'm uh, a reformed smoker, too. And I have said before on previous podcasts, I would smoke right fucking now if I could. Ooh. I loved it so much, but I just don't have it in me to quit again. I just can't do it. My lungs couldn't take it. Um, so one of the other things I wanted to talk about, we talked a little bit about acceptance. So a key to taking this step for me was accepting that something is wrong in your life and having tried your way, your thinking, your will, you've had little to no success controlling your drinking. I think you talked about that. Mm -hmm. Accepting defeat of your old ideas. I think for me, this is very important. Accepting defeat that my old ideas didn't work. My old thinking didn't work. Um, It's one of the cornerstones to, as they say in the big book, building a new foundation, a new way of living, thinking, being, a new freedom, and a new happiness. But you have to be willing to consider that your way is not the best way. Right. Because without, it's the how of recovery, right? H, honesty, O, open-mindedness, W, willingness. Mm -hmm. If I'm not open-minded to say, maybe I'm not doing this the best way it can be done, then these steps won't work for you. And your sponsor will remind you that you're not practicing how every time you question, every time you start to fight, you know, and say, well, I don't know if I agree with that or I think differently. Well, your thinking is what got you here. And you don't have to agree with it. You just have to do it. Yeah. Embrace it. Mm -hmm. Embrace the truth. So smash your old thoughts, your old ideas, your old fears, your old beliefs. Get honest. Um, Are you truly, and this is where the pen and paper comes in in handy today. So I thought if you write these things down, you're going to ask yourself some questions. Do I truly desire a new and better life? Or do I just want the consequences to stop? Mm -hmm. Because you have to really desire that new and better way of life. You have to really desire that change because that's what it's going to take. You know, if nothing changes in you, nothing nothing changes. changes, Period. Um, So that means uh, letting go of things you may not want to. So for me, it was letting go of old relationships, letting go of old careers, letting go of um, circumstances, people, places, things. Old ideas, old notions, old ways of things working. 
Maybe I couldn't hang out in the in the same places that I used to hang out with. Maybe hanging out with my friends in bars was not safe and not a good idea for me, especially in early recovery. Mm-hmm. How I tried that and how miserable I was. You know, when you're an alcoholic and you've just quit drinking, going to a bar and hanging out with people who are getting smashed is not fun. <laughs> What's that old saying? If you sit in a barber's chair long enough, you're going to get a haircut? <laughs> Same thing. Yes, absolutely. And that's true. And it happened. So ask yourself, am I willing to go to any lengths? And this is the part where I thought the pen and paper would come in handy and I thought it was helpful. So I sat down this morning and I thought, what were my old ideas? What was my old thinking? And I started to list some things and you can throw yours in here too. Um, It's not that bad. That was one of my old ideas. Mm -hmm. I can stop when I want to. I don't drink alone. And then I added in brackets yet, Mm -hmm. because after a relapse, I certainly did. But these are things that kept me questioning. Am I really an alcoholic? Maybe I'm not an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not that bad. So in essence, I really hadn't fully taken and committed to step one because I was still questioning it. And for me, unfortunately, this was years into the program. Yeah. You get a sore box if you straddle the fence. (laughs) Pick a side. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Yeah, someone definitely punched me in the box. It was sore. Um, I got uh, kicked in the box once as a little girl by my brother. It's horrible. It really does hurt. You don't have to have like nuts and a dong to really feel hurt when someone kicks you between the legs. I fell on a bicycle that had no seat. The post. Yeah, my brother took his seat off and I didn't have a bicycle. So I went to ride his bicycle and then I got to the end of the hill and realized that I had to come to a stop and I had to put my feet down and I missed the curb. Oh Jesus. That was bloody. (laughs) I bet. That was a horrific day. I fell in a pool once right on my seam. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I didn't know the pool was that close and I took a step with my left foot and my left foot went down, but the right half of my body stayed on the ground. So that was fun. Oh my goodness. Yeah. All right. Enough about our boxes. Okay. It'll be like the sequel to the Wooly Vagina podcast. If you haven't heard that one, go take a look for it. (laughs) Bruised vagina (laughs) incidents. Um, It hasn't affected my job. It hasn't affected anybody else. I only binge drink on weekends. Maybe if I just drink beer, uh, drinking water between each drink, maybe that'll work for me. These are all old ideas I had. And this is my personal favorite. Favorite? Making someone else monitor my behavior or take responsibility for my actions. Babysitters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I looked, I, you know, I made other, respo- other people responsible and that's sad, mm-hmm. but I did that. So that was some old thoughts and thinking Yeah. that I had to get rid of. Um, and I love this quote, uh, understand and accept and embrace the fact that I need help. Quote, a sick mind can't heal a sick mind. That's good. So it goes in line with what my sponsors always said to me. Your thoughts and feelings are what's wrong with you, Lisa. Mm-hmm. So my way of thinking, that's all he was saying mm-hmm. and driving that message home. So, Well, step one can also be broken down into two parts, like the admitting and the, that we're powerless and then admitting our lives are unmanageable. And I find that um, in my work with first line responders, military, the powerlessness notion is very difficult because mm-hmm. it's equated with um, weakness. weakness. Yeah, and they're heroes. And then, but then understanding that you know I'm powerless over whether it snows today or the sun comes out. I'm powerless over if I have another migraine, yeah. which I had yesterday, which scared me on our way up here. 
And it's not really good when you start to go blind as you're driving a truck through snowy roads up Let north. Let me tell you, not good for your passenger either. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it doesn't mean I'm weak. So realizing we're powerless, this is the reason it's the first of the discernment steps. And discernment means to get a good gauge on what's going on get a clear gauge. So we have to admit we're powerless. And then the unmanageability, as we've discussed, is different for everyone. Um, but usually when we darken the doors of an AA meeting or a treatment center or a hospital, it's not because we're managing yeah. well. No. So it's in realizing um, we have to be honest. And the, the truth is the highest spiritual principle in the universe. Whether or not we line up with it doesn't matter. It's still going to be the truth. It's just a hell of a lot easier to get honest, to be in line with that principle of truth because mm -hmm. it's the truth will set you free is is my favorite one of my favorite things to say right mm -hmm. because the moment we get that that I think it's a grace moment to say fuck I'm in real serious trouble right now and I need help that's a moment of grace that moment where someone goes get a desire chip that's an honest moment mm -hmm. that is not a moment that is devoid of courage and bravery it's doing it because you're scared and you don't know what else to do and it's amazing how many people don't get that in the first month that they're there. They'll go up and they'll get their one month chip, but then they admit later that they didn't get up and get a desire chip. And it's, I think it's overcoming that um, idea that asking for help is weak. Mm -hmm. I think asking for help is one of the greatest signs of strength because mm -hmm. it takes a lot to say, it takes a lot of strength. It takes a lot of courage to say, I can't do this on my own anymore. Mm -hmm. Will you help me? Those are powerful words. And you give people uh, around you, especially the people in AA, you give them a chance to live their program. So in turn, you asking for their help, you asking someone to sponsor you is a gift. Mm -hmm. You are not wasting someone's time. You are not being a burden on someone else by asking for help. And you're giving other people permission to ask for help. This is the crazy thing about our fellowship. One person getting up to get their desire chip might speak to a person in back of the room who also wants to do it but doesn't have the guts and now has just taken some of your courage and been themselves allowed to stand yeah. up and go get it. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking you might have a problem and you don't know how to go to a meeting or don't know what to do... Listen to us, go to the meeting, stand up and get your chip and tell us you've done it because we'd like to congratulate you just like the other people in the group will, mm -hmm. because it's really like taking up your sword and your shield and walking up and going, let's do this. I'm ready. Mm -hmm. And you might be the inspiration, mm -hmm. like you said, to spur somebody else on, you know, I can remember sitting there and looking around the room and, and nobody else getting up and not feeling like I wanted to get up and do it alone. And then somebody else gets up and I'm like, oh, okay, there's two of us now, let's go. It's a train. <laughs> we can do it together, we yeah. can do it. And that's the whole philosophy of AA. Yep. So step one, and you can't admit powerlessness if you're still hanging on to your pride. Mm -hmm. And uh, You can't be full of power and devoid of power at the same time over, over our addiction. I mean, as a parent, I think you can probably feel I'm powerful and I'm powerless. But in terms of our addiction, there's no such thing as powerful over our addiction. We are always powerless, but it doesn't mean we're weak and we don't have a way to beat it and learn how to live in spite of it. And not even just in spite of it. That's a bad word because I don't live my life in spite of my alcoholism. Mm -hmm. I'm just aware of what it is, where to put it and how to deal with it. Does that sound good? If you have any questions about step one or you want us to dig a little deeper, please, by all means, ask us.
Mm-hmm. Send us an email at the number two, soberchicks at gmail.com, and uh, tell us what you thought of step one. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. Absolutely. All right. Well, on to step two. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you in the next podcast. I'm Lisa. I'm Julie. And this has been Two Sober Chicks. Oh, oh.